Today's episode is brought to you by Positively Productive Systems, whose mission is to be the antidote to your stress and to provide compassionate productivity resources and coaching that help you heal and achieve. Be sure to check out both free and paid resources at PositivelyProductive.com resources. I've had a lot of losses and I've had some pretty heavy things. So I've really had to shift from why me into, okay, life comes with positives and negatives. So I can choose to continue to think why me, or I can start to see that it's all part of growth. It's all part of healing. It's all necessary. And so once you, sh- you shift that mindset, which again, not easy, takes time, baby steps though, right? What am I here to learn right now? <laughs> once you start those baby steps, you start to notice more areas of your life that you are conditioned to judge in a negative way. And then you start to go, well, do I want to think or feel this way or do I want to make a choice? And that's a big part of the book was like, let's redefine grief and let's decide for ourselves what this is. You're listening to the Positively Living Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Zarotny, founder of Positively Productive Systems and a coach certified in time and stress management, helping clients make space for what matters most in their lives. Join me each episode and we'll talk about decluttering, stress management, habits, personalized productivity, gratitude, and so much more. I understand the overwhelm of life because I'm a wife, mom to kids and cats, and a former caregiver. I'm here to help you choose what's right for you so you can do less, live more, and breathe easier. Sound good? Let's get to it. Humans do inappropriate things, probably frequently, especially when they're younger, or in my case, all the time. You know the song One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies and the line that says, I'm the kind of guy who laughs at a funeral? Yeah, that's probably me. The lyric is written like it's a crazy thing to do, but is it? That's part of what we're exploring today with my guest, Katie Ressler. Katie is an author and transformative grief guide. Her book, The New Face of Grief, is changing the narrative on grief and helping people to use it as a tool for growth and transformation. She's a mom of three and lives as an expat in Munich, Germany. Katie defines grief in a way that will sound familiar, especially if you've listened to episode 14, her first interview with me. If you haven't heard it yet, I recommend going back to listen as a foundation to this conversation. I also recommend episodes 29 with Mallory Jackson, 37 with Eileen Moynihan, and 63 with Sherry Trentini, which all cover aspects of grief and trauma. So what more is there to explore? Lots. But today, in addition to reviewing what grief is and how we handle it, we're focusing on a specific tool that I've always leaned into instinctively humor. We also cover how attachment plays a part in our grieving process and how suffering comes from our mindset and conditioning and what we can do about it. One of my favorite takeaways is Katie's movie theory a simple way to shift your perspective on how you grieve. Katie emphasizes in this conversation and her book that you get to decide if and how humor will work for you. I think that's so important. Our intention is to encourage you past the stigma to allow you the best tools for you. 
As we were wrapping up, I was reminded about the first time I heard about gratitude. I was hurting so much at the time and felt like practicing gratitude discounted what I went through. Thankfully, I learned that it doesn't and was able to embrace it for the powerful habit it is. So I want to remind you that grief and gratitude, grief and joy can coexist beautifully and are meant to support each other, helping you move through the pain into living life. Welcome, Katie Russler, to the Positively Living Podcast, or should I say, welcome back, because you are a return guest, and I, we're already laughing, and that is so on point for this episode. Thank you. Yes, completely. You and I were discussing about, okay, we've already talked about grief, so like, what do we do? I was like, we're going to talk about humor and grief, and it's perfect. Yeah, I said, what? What? Really? Me? Humor? I don't know if that fits. Um, <laughs> It's so awesome for so many reasons. We'll get into that in a minute, but I'd love it, Katie, if you would start by telling us a bit about who you are and who you help and what lights you up. Yeah. So I am a transformative grief guide, author, can get, I get to say that now, author of the new piece of grief and licensed counselor from the USA. And I live in Munich, Germany. So I am an expat. I am mom to three kids seven, almost five and nine months old. Talk about hashtag real life. And I run a business here where I'm working primarily online now. It used to be that I worked with couples in Munich and now online, helping people through hidden grief that they're facing and letting them explore how it has actually helped them to grow into the person that they are and also who they're becoming. And so I really teach them just as the subtitle of the book says, transform pain into empowerment, how to use what they've experienced as the catalyst for growing in beautiful ways to serve a greater purpose and really be here as a change maker in the world. I think what lights me up right now is the possibilities, as much as the world looks pretty grim, the possibilities of what's coming out of all of this, because you know, it's like the Lotus you know, there's going to be some beautiful things that grow out of this because it's that diamond, right? It's got to be under that pressure and in that heat. And then all of a sudden, bam, there we go. So I, that lights me up right now. Like where's everything going and what's going to happen and what's going to be the new innovations? What's going to be the new way of doing things? What's going to be how we all start to, in a sense, upgrade and change how we live life so that we are happier and healthier and just feel more positive on a day-to-day. Because I think we've learned over the last almost two years that it's time to take that into our own hands of like, I want to live the life I want to be living instead of doing the nine to five and so exhausted and barely seeing my kids and then working overtime and all the things that, you know, you address the stress, putting coping skills last, all of those things don't work anymore for us. That's right. We have been placed into a space of true reflection And we're already seeing so many of those changes that you're talking about. But what you're talking about, you're talking about healing transformation. And we're talking about opportunities within that. And and that's what you're talking about with grief and hidden grief. So let's begin by redefining. Of course, we'll definitely recommend listening to your original episode. And you can see the beginning of these concepts in terms of what grief really is in our first conversation. But the reason you're back today is because there's so much more to it. And that, of course, has been poured into your book. But let's start with an overarching understanding of 
what grief is and, and isn't actually maybe. Right. So grief has usually been identified with just death and major loss. However, I really challenge that belief that grief is actually the emotional experience we go through when things don't go the way we think they should or would go. So that encompasses death because it's why I really thought this person would live longer or why did they have to go? And also when we lose a home, a job, when we move, and even though maybe we want that move, we know like, oh man, I really had these dreams of doing these things with these friends and now I live somewhere else and I have to change. Or that parenthood brings, letting go of our individual identities and caring for our little ones and having to put them first in ways that maybe we didn't think we would have to. And all the changes that comes with that, especially as women, are physical changes, our mental and emotional changes, and those shifts. And also dreams that never come to fruition. You know, the things that we thought we would be doing by now, and we go, well, how do I really feel about this? I always use the example of midlife crisis. I like to call it midlife transition, but midlife crisis is usually this like, oh my God, this is not the life I wanted to live. Let me go run off and do crazy wild things. And it's a grief response, but often people just judge it instead of going, you know, we all probably have moments in our lives where we go, I didn't really sign up for this. Like who chose this? Oh, wait, it was me. Wait, why? Oh, Cause I wasn't really choosing. I was just going with the flow. So grief spans so many experiences and there's no, well, mine is bigger grief than yours. You know, well, this was more than, you know, experience than that. It's so subjective. You really can't do that though. I've had people challenge me on social media with, well, this is more painful than that. And I go, well, you know, we could play that game all day long. The reality is it's all grief and grief has that beautiful spectrum as everything does. And the more that we start to recognize what's happening is that we are grieving, the more we start to shift it into, okay, I want to work on this. I want to feel it not run from it. And I want to experience it to its fullest so that I grow out of it. Yeah. I think the identity part is probably the one that jumps out the most at me. Maybe it's because I see it in my coaching and this idea of that expectation of, you know, who you are or the fact that if you are very active and you're doing the things, which is the busy trap, right? And that, that, means that you are more valuable. And, you know, just processing where we are in terms of, like you said, with motherhood and running a business and trying to figure out what you're going to be doing at what time frame, and, you know, having certain expectations about how it's going to go. There's a fantastic reel. And I don't even know where the soundbite came from. No, it's got to be Will Smith, I think, because th that sounds like his voice. And it's something to the effect of, I saw that going differently in, in my head. You know, right? Yeah. And I'm like, well, that that's like a life quote right there. So right. going differently in my head. And yeah, there are different levels of it. Some that we can release more readily and others that we can't. But in a big part of that is what that expectation is and, and how much we're locked into it, where we are with our mindset, right? All of that all plays into it. Yeah. The, the attachment piece is something I've been exploring more how attached we get to things and why we get so attached, whether it be control issues or fear, safety, but the more attached we are, the harder it is with those types of clients to transition them into seeing the bigger picture. You know, I always say, look at your life like a movie. If we were watching a movie, we'd be like, oh, that's why this happened to this character. 
so that they would meet this person or that would happen or whatever it might be. And then we understand that quote lifespan of the movie of here's why these events had to occur. Here's the outcome. And not all outcomes of movies tend to be good. And so when we look at our lives kind of as a consultant, let me step back and sort of look. And this is the first session I have with all my clients is let's create your grief timeline. Like let's really look at what has happened and can you already see what it has helped you to achieve? What lessons you're here to learn? Because I I tend to see themes in people's lives. Like this keeps popping up. (laughs) Have you noticed that this theme, whether it be abandonment or the need to speak up for yourself or independence, whatever it might be, those things will come up. And I I work with my clients on seeing this is good. Clearly there's this lesson. How about we start to learn it so that you don't have to keep falling into that trap, you know, and release the grief from the times where you hadn't figured it out yet. Right. And what you're helping them do really, and I do this in, in the context of productivity and organizing is stepping back and maybe stepping up and over and kind of having that, the bigger picture, right? Right. And with this, I like this uh, movie theory idea. If you think about it as, you know, or a story, you're reading a good novel. And one of the things I like to think is, okay, so this is the middle of the book. A lot's still going to happen. So hang on tight. And and figure out, you know, where this, uh, the story arc is going. And, and like you said, I guess it's, I don't know if it's redefining or more like discovering what the purpose is or could be behind what happened. Right. And I think you and I are kind of a similar philosophical or, or life theory that not too many things happen for no reason. In fact, I, I tend to think all things happen for a reason, even small things. And people would go, well, but you're just never going to see those pieces of the puzzle because we're too much in our lives to be like, oh, that little thing occurred so that this would occur. But you see it in movies. You see why these little events occur for the big reason. There's a reason why these writers and directors do that because that's real life these little things occur for this big thing to happen. Right. In our own life, we don't get to see foreshadowing, <laughs> but we can look back and go, oh, okay. I, how many times in my life am I like, wow, that was a red flag. Hello, <laughs> Alisa, hello. <laughs> Where was the dramatic music to prepare me for this? <laughs> this is why I say we need to have like our own, um, you know, our own music soundtrack playing. It would yeah. really help. Yep, definitely. Because you'd be walking along and you'd be like, oh, I know that means something's coming. (laughs) Where is it? I feel like it was a quote from Kierkegaard and I cannot remember now the exact details, but it was like life having to be lived forward, but can only be understood backward. Yep. So that's the challenge of it. But given that, if we step away today saying, okay, so I may not be able to understand it until after the fact, then as things occur, as things happen, we can maybe take it as, okay, this is happening and maybe I will come to understand it or it will be connected somehow and I have to keep going and keep moving through it. And I feel like that's an important message in what you do and in your book and this idea of grief and suffering. Same idea as a, I just posted a quote about change being inevitable, but you know, the growth is optional. And so grief is inevitable, but the suffering is optional. And I, I, I know that when you are grieving and you're hurting, that can sound maybe a bit flippant, but, but there's more to it. So what is it that we need to understand about grief and processing it and how it connects to suffering? Yeah. 
So I was listening to this guru actually yesterday on YouTube and he, a guy said, so is suffering just all in our heads? And he went, exactly. <laughs> I love like when, you know, like those gurus that are like, you figured it out. Okay. Now go and live your life. <laughs> and I just thought, um, yeah, I mean, suffering is a mindset. It is what we're conditioned. So I'm not pointing fingers. It's just, we're conditioned that way to anything negative that lasts for a period of time that really makes us feel a lot of emotions and maybe even emptiness or negative things that again, where I, I that cause this quote to suffer, we've attributed this as this is suffering. This causes suffering. And I challenge that thinking to just say, so for example, what I've trained myself to do, because I used to have that suffering mentality and the victim mindset of like, why is life doing this to me? You know, I don't understand. Why does this keep happening to me? I've started to ask, even on those bad days, I hit every red light, you know, people were grumpy at me in line at the grocery store, whatever. What is life trying to teach me right now? Like, what is it I'm supposed to be paying attention to? And then I also read the other day, somebody wrote, sometimes it's also what healing needs to be done that this is going to help. And that shifts your mindset from all of this is causing me suffering, you know, these deaths, these losses, and those who are listening to this episode and haven't heard the first one, I'm not talking Pollyanna Katie, like, yeah, I've had a lot of losses and I've had some pretty heavy things. So I've really had to shift from why me into, okay, life comes with positives and negatives. So I can choose to continue to think why me, or I can start to see that it's all part of growth. It's all part of healing. It's all necessary. And so once you, sh- you shift that mindset, which again, not easy, takes time, baby steps though, right? Start with those red lights. <laughs> like, I keep hitting these red lights. What am I here to learn right now? <laughs> once you start those baby steps, you start to notice more areas of your life that you are conditioned to judge in a negative way. And then you start to go, well, do I want to think or feel this way? Or do I want to make a choice? And that's a big part of the book was like, Let's redefine grief and let's decide for ourselves what this is. Like you said, you make up the rules, right? You define the rules. And, you know, this goes right back to this idea of expectations. If we're conditioned and then we step back and say, how can I change that conditioning in terms of what I expect, not only expect is going to happen, but even what I expect from things that I learned were supposed to be connected to suffering or what we might say the victim mentality, right? And any of that, whatever those expectations are, you can make adjustments with. The other thing I like about what you said with the stoplights and the, and the baby steps, this is a point of encouragement is that like any other practice or habit, any other thing I often talk in terms of of decluttering, let's say, right, or simplifying our lives. If you go to the things, perhaps we'll call it the low-hanging fruit, right, something that's simpler, like, okay, we'll start with the, I'm running late for work, hopefully, you know, it's not a life or death scenario in your case, but starting with those things that might be easier to practice on. As you do those things, even if you're still struggling to work with the, the bigger events or the bigger issues Mm -hmm. that will build the muscle for you. And it will also create space with that practice of think about all the things that you're now letting go. Like, okay, I hit a red light. Well, oh, well, if you can start to practice that, it creates space even energetically for you to deal with the bigger stuff that you still can't let go. Does that make sense? Totally. I mean, 
the other side of grief, everybody thinks it's like happiness or peace. It's actually freedom. Mm. It's emotional and mental freedom. It's space in our lives. That's scary. Let's be honest. You and I know, like once you finally declutter, once you finally clean out that emotional baggage, you're like, oh my God, I'm sitting here with so much space and I don't know what to do. I need to fill it. I need to fill it. I need to fill it. So it is not normal to us, but really on the other side is like freedom. You get to choose how you want to feel. You get to decide what bothers you. You find you're not as triggered as you used to be. I have been feeling bliss for the first time in a long time. And it's this amazing, like, I'll just be walking around and I'm like, whoa, I feel bliss. Wow. Look at life. Look at the trees around me. And I am always a very uh, optimistic, positive person, but a blissful person, I would never have described myself as. And now it's like, wow, I'm seeing things differently, but that is the healing work. That's putting the effort in. I always tell my clients that the things you guys are doing are not things I'm not doing on my own. Like I'm, I am doing the work too. I'm regularly journaling. I'm regularly like doing those assessments of like, what am I holding on to right now that is making me in this bad mood or, you know, creating this negative outlook on a person? Absolutely. We are, we are both walking the talk. And, you know, before we hit record, you noted that because you know me, we've known each other for a while. We, we stay in touch. We watch what's going on. You know that there have been some heavy things in my life. There have been some losses like across the board of how you're defining grief, right? I mean, actual losses of people in my family. And also, I don't even know if I would call it a loss so much, but but it goes more to the expectations that you were talking about or, or more of the, the shifts, maybe the changes in terms of identity or plans or challenges, you know, that have come up. And Over the years, we've gone through all of those things that you described, you know, like in terms of changes in work that we do and where we're living and and what's going on. And, you know, as moms, there's always something that's going on, you know, with our children that we're we're stepping into and trying to process. And I think the first thing we tend to do, I know at least I do, see if this feels familiar, is what does this mean? I have learned to practice the, well, what it means is we're human and we're going to get through it. We're going to find a way and here's what we need to do as a family. Or maybe what it means is I'm going to research this next thing and, and we will take these next steps or, you know what I mean? So it's, it's like understanding the scope, partly the acceptance of whatever's happening and, and knowing that we're human and it's okay. I can remember when we were in that really uncertain part of knowing that we had to move but not really knowing where or what or how. There was so much unknown, which I think as a society, we have experienced with this pandemic. And that's a scary place to be, right? That unknown. And it was almost like a mantra that I kept telling my kids. And I was like, I don't know where we're going, but we're going together. Yes, yes. I think that's powerful because you have to teach kids, this is normal. You don't always know what's next and you're not gonna be alone. Yeah. And then I would show them funny cat videos. And that's the perfect segue into the thing I really want to dig in that I'm so grateful to you for. You go through in your book, the, the stages, right, of how we grieve and, and, and those aspects and really defining this and understanding not only that we're defining it, but we're defining it, which is great. But chapter, was it 12? Chapter 12. <laughs> and my favorite chapter is on 
humor and humor as a tool. And that excites me for so many reasons. One of them is uh, probably obvious if you've hung out with me, uh, <laughs> because hi, Lisa does this all the time. But I want to dig into this with you, not only to encourage everyone, not just to hang out with us on Instagram and have fun, right. but also because I think there can be, speaking of expectations, this expectation that, um, wait a minute, you're using humor. Isn't that avoidance? Is that a trauma response or is it a technique? Like what's going on here with humor? So let's dig into humor. Yeah. My favorite is like, is that appropriate? Like, well, uh, it's subjective for everybody. So like, I've never been appropriate, so I don't know what to tell. Right. Yeah. Like for me, it was an essential chapter of the book. So the book is broken up into three parts. And the third part is really the full experience of grief. And so I go into that feeling of like isolation, solitude, the people who believe that they're helping us and end up really hurting us. And then I talk about humor and, you know, kind of subtitle of that chapter is laughing at a funeral. And I start it with, I've never been to a funeral with my family where we didn't laugh. And it's not because we weren't grieving and we didn't care, or we were trying to avoid. It was because I was raised in a family where humor was part of the coping mechanism to alleviating those moments that were super heavy. We still felt it. We still cried later on. There was no like, hold it in, hold it in, be tough. Like you still cried. And then the next moment you're laughing, you know, it would be things like, oh man, if granny could see who showed up at the funeral or that this person wore this or said this, the pastor said this, can you believe? And I grew up in a family from Mississippi. So if you hear the twain come out, then that's why. <laughs> but that was just the way we related to the fact that, wow, this is really heavy and hard. And the whole chapter just gives permission. And then it also says, and it's okay if you say you don't like it, don't feel forced. But so many people, I think, want to be able to feel comfortable using humor. And people around them are like, no, that's wrong. Why are you laughing at this? Or like, you must be going crazy. Something's wrong because you're hysterically laughing, which I think is our brain's way of counterbalancing all the deep, dark sadness and anger and fear and hurt. It's like natural. Yeah, I think. And again, you get to choose. So if it's it doesn't feel appropriate to you, then listen to that, listen to that sign. But if you are, you know, inclined toward it and then you're maybe holding back, there's so many ways that we can explore humor, but I like how you described it as releasing the pressure cooker. And that's what I talk about humor all the time as diffusing. And I use it because we're talking from my perspective about stress management, right? And specifically distress, right? This chronic distress, if you are sitting in grief, so to speak, right? And you are there and you're like, I'm not budging. I'm feeling it all and I'm suffering. You need a break from that no matter what. And and so that is what humor does. It, it, it diffuses that. And so I think, yes, sometimes people can can do that. But like you said, uh, your, your brain is like, we got to do something say something inappropriate, or you're like, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh. And you start to laugh. And I'm thinking that uh, just like you are describing that there's grief, let's lean into it. I'm saying there's humor, let's lean into it. Because if we hold it back, then I kind of feel like it almost will be more inappropriate because you're fighting against it. Whereas if you lean into it and say, this is a natural part of my life process, my grieving process, my stress management process, right? Then I'll find the best ways to do it for me. 
Right. And I think anytime where you start to feel shame or guilt around a coping skill that truly is healthy, then that is a red flag that this isn't about you. It's about someone else and maybe some, someone else in your life who told you something or even your culture that may have said this is inappropriate and allow yourself to be you, even if it's in you know moments just by yourself, if you're not comfortable showing that with others. But I was just thinking about the videos that I watched to make me laugh after I lost mom and had two miscarriages were the same videos I would watch the last month of all three of my pregnancies. That last month when you're like, just is this baby ever going to come? I don't This is for, forget this. Why? I needed humor then to just lift me up. And that's just a, you know, that's a positive, happy time, right? We're pregnant. Baby's going to come. Yay. But that has its own like heaviness to it. And this I'm, I'm over quote over this feeling. And so I would watch videos then to cope with that mental game, just like I'd watch videos to cope with, oh my gosh, I feel in a deep, dark, sad hole for days at a time. And I also want to just laugh. I want to smile. My first birthday after my mom died, I I talk about this in the book. I had had a miscarriage right before the birthday and my friends came with hula hoop, running clothes, tickets to go see Chicago. Like it was like, Katie, you're still human and alive and can do these fun things. And we're here beside you to sit with you in your grief and to also give you some cool water in those moments too. And it was, it was beautiful. It was exactly what I needed. You know, there might be others who need something different, but they knew me. They understood because I was very verbal in what I needed in that moment too. Right. This reminds me of a conversation I've had many times in guiding people through gratitude. And when I was first introduced to gratitude, I kind of misunderstood what it meant. And that if you're saying you're grateful, that somehow you're discounting the pain. Mm. And then I understood, oh, no, it's not that at all. As a matter of fact, they coexist and beautifully, actually. And so I think the same goes for your grief and your joy. And I think sometimes do we feel like, okay, we're grieving something, you know, has happened that we need to maybe honor, maybe, especially if it relates to a person or something like that. And we need to honor that. And that somehow finding the joy in those moments isn't, but really what it's doing is taking care of you. It's a part of self-care, right? And allowing you to, to keep moving forward and and finding whatever the best way is to keep going and to maybe honor the person or the event or the situation. Totally. For me, humor and, and laughter is releasing the pressure cooker. It's just releasing the steam, like let it out. You know, the pressure cooker will still build up, but you know, letting it out. We need that. And the humor can be humor that you create by saying something funny or watching something or reading something. You know, there was a point where some of my friends really didn't know what to say or do. And I would be like, just send me funny videos or like, you know, like that's kind of what I need right now. And then I would be like, okay, now I just need you to sit with me while I cry. So what you need will change and shift, but what you need in humor might be that you have the freedom to say funny things. And some might go, well, that's dark humor. Oh, well, you say what you need to say. I said, so that's output, or you have the input of humor coming in. And there are some great comedians who've gone through, I mean, the comedy world, usually they've gone through a lot of difficult times, 
they've gone through difficult times and talk about those difficult times in a humorous way. And we all laugh and we all go like, some of them talk about being raised by horrible fathers or how things were in a relationship that led to divorce. And we're all laughing at it. And these were horrible, difficult times for them that had grief. But what they did was go, I need to see this in a new light and shift this darkness into where's the light in this. And let me find laughter and give others some laughter in it too. Because we all go through times of darkness where we think, you know, there's these little thoughts of like, that's kind of like a funny moment, you know, but like, I can't laugh. Like, but that was really a funny moment, you know, <laughs> like, or ridiculous or ludicrous. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not like, are you, sometimes I'm like funny, haha, or funny, weird, or, you know, maybe, maybe both, but it's just, yeah. yeah, sometimes the sheer ludicrousness of the moment of, of the situation can just make you be like, what? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There are two times where we take the deepest breaths. One, when we have cried so much, like, you know, snotty nose can't, and you're like, breathe through your mouth and it's like, (gasps) and you take in that full lung breath, you know, all of it is filled up. Mm -hmm. And also when you've laughed so hard and you have to take that moment, (gasps) breathe again so you can keep laughing. Like (laughs) those are two ends of the spectrum. And yet our body is able to release with both. We need tears and we need laughter. I think they're essential. And I think that's like a brilliant place for us to wrap up. I mean, just right there, they're both essential and we need them. So where can we find you online when we connect with you, Katie? Yeah. So my website is katierussler.com. If you're interested in the book, it's very simple. You can find it on Amazon or the book website is thenewfaceofgrief.com. And I'm on Instagram at katie.rustler. And I'd love to have people follow me on there because there you get to do the videos and you can see a lot of my teachings and find out what workshops I have going on and things like that. Yeah, definitely follow her on Instagram. Come join us because we're, we're both on there and if follow me, you'll find her. And I'll make sure to have all those links in the show notes. Now, speaking of, of humor and fun, let's have a little more fun with a rapid wrap up, shall we? Love it. So fill in the blank for me. The song that lifts my spirits, makes me dance. Ooh, I feel like it's the same as last time. Is that going to be okay? That's going to be totally fine. What is it? Justin Timberlake. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric wavy when I turn it on. Yeah. That always gets me going. Sunshine in my pocket. Yes. And that will be going on the Positively Living Podcast Spotify Dance Playlist Volume 3 now. What? Yes, I know. Volume three. Volume three. So that's why it's perfect that it was a a duplicate. You're still feeling it because now it'll be on volume three. Okay. Now, how about a quote or mantra that inspires me that I share? I would say, because it fits with his last times too. Wow. I'm still the same person. That's that's pretty cool. Consistency. No mud, (laughs) no lotus. I think that's just a good mantra in life hey, we're going to have darkness. We're going to have mud and difficult times. And we're going to have the beauty of that flower that comes out of it. I address that throughout the book, but it truly is a mantra that I, red lights, no mud, no lotus. (laughs) Difficult day with the kids, no mud, no lotus. 
And of course, I like to think of myself as that lotus. So, you know. Yeah, you did. You, sh- you shared that last time. And I, I would have I would have uh, won if I had been uh, betting on this, especially because I knew your book would have the lotus flower on it. And it's yep. absolutely, absolutely true. OK, how about a, a resource, uh, a book or app, obviously, besides your book uh, right. <laughs> that's made my life better and I'd love to share it with others? Ooh, yes. Shauna Nequist, Present Over Perfect. I read that after having my third. So I had my third in January and I read that in the hospital and I even had my husband read it. It was good. Like good, G-U-D, good. It was really good. (laughs) Like what? But good. Yeah, it really, and I, I think I even bring it up in the book. Yep, I do. I remember talking a little bit about she just sheds light on this culture of go, 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 go. And when it's just time to be present with your kids, with your family, with your life and stop giving into what society thinks you should be doing. Well, you know, I love everything you just said. So that sounds good. I'll, I'll find a a link to that book as well and put it in the show notes. Okay. And last, but most certainly not least, what or whom are you grateful for today, Katie? Oh, I'm grateful for you. I love getting to connect with you and what you're doing with this podcast and the variety of topics that you address that help us to be in the business world, but also personal growth and awareness of, hey, life is difficult and you can balance these things in healthy ways. I just think that's beautiful. So thank you for what you're doing with this podcast and what you do in service to the world. I think it's amazing. Oh, thank you. And you know, I am so grateful for you. And I want to thank you, Katie, for shining your light like you do in this world and for sharing it with us again today. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Your time is precious and limited, and I'm honored you chose to spend it with me. If you have feedback, questions, or want to schedule a chat, head to positivelyproductive.com slash connect. And if you are looking for any of the resources referenced on the podcast, from books to products to training and more, go to positivelyproductive.com slash resources.